Blog Talk Radio. Today to a word from God radio broadcast right here on blogtalkradio.com. And I am your radio hostess today, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler. And I want you to know that God has a designed word especially for you. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, with God's word in our heart, you know, saints of God, that our lives are forever changed. And then Psalms 119 or 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And I'm sorry, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, meaning the word of God will illuminate our steps as we walk towards our purpose in Christ. Well, it brings me great joy to come before you today right here on blogtalkradio.com and to share a word from God with you on today. I want to say thank you to all who do uh, write in to me, email me, and let me know uh, how much you enjoy the broadcast. Uh, thank you for all of your encouraging words. They do mean a lot to me when I hear how something that I may have said has changed someone's life. And so on yesterday, we started our series on eschatology, and we talked about the Olivet Discourse where Jesus was explaining to the disciples what was going to take place in the world before he came back uh, in the second coming. And uh, I pray that you get a chance to hear that lesson. If you did not, uh, you know on Blog Talk Radio, you can go into the archives and rehear it. 
So I pray that you will go back into my archives and be able to hear yesterday's message on eschatology, the series, and we talked about the Olivet uh, Discourse where Jesus began to explain some of the things that were going to take place before he came back, and we do see some of that stuff today happening even in our time. But today we're going to do another very interesting study. We're continuing in our eschatology series. And we are today, we're going to be talking about um, the rapture of the church, the imminent return or soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church, his bride. But before we go into that particular uh, discussion and class today, I'm going to go ahead and play a song, and then we will get into our lesson.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, you truly are holy, and you truly are worthy on today. Father God, I pray today that you will bless each and every listener, Father God, that is hearing, Father God, this word on today. Some may already know about the rapture. Some may just need a refresher course, and some may have never even heard of the rapture of the church. And so, Father God, I pray that I make it plain, that I will bring forth clarity, that they might be un- might be able to understand, Father God, that the rapture is imminent, Lord God, that it is soon coming, Father God. We know not the day nor the hour, the minute, the week, the year. We don't know anything, Lord God. All we know is that you said in your word, I come quickly. And so, Father, we thank you. Father God, for loving us today, and we pray that you bless the spoken word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm really, really, really excited. Um, I'm really excited today about this particular lesson, as I shared with you on yesterday, uh, when I got saved back in 1972, I had not heard of the rapture. We had sang a song in church and until my raptured soul so far. Uh, you know, I knew it in that respect and that was all that I knew. But met a couple of young men that were out witnessing the people and they invited us to uh, um, one of their meetings and they were talking about the rapture in the end times. And I was like, wow, Lord, I need to know more about this. And they showed a movie, um, that night, and I was just so uh, thrilled, and, and, and it was like something happened on the inside of me that my spirit began to just jump around and bounce around on the inside of me because I was learning something, uh, something that was very, very uh, 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 hopeful for me. It was something that I had to look forward to, and so something that I found out that night was called the rapture, and it was called the rapture of the church, and coming to find out that the church that Jesus was coming back for was his bride, and the church uh, meaning individual people. He's not coming back back for a particular uh, group of people. He's not coming back for the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Methodist Church, or anything of that nature, but he's coming back for those who are individual churches, people who love the Lord, that are living their lives, who are a representative of the bride of Christ, and that's who Jesus is coming back for. But I just want to uh, share some information with you today on the rapture of the church. Now, there are a lot of questions on people's mind today about the rapture, such things as uh, what will happen to the church in the end time? Does the church go through the tribulation with Israel? Does God pour out his wrath on the church? Now, many Christians today say that they know nothing about the end times. And lots of Christians have said that they've never even read the book of Revelation. And the reason why they say they've never read the book of Revelation is for many it's just because of that it was confusing to them or they didn't understand it. And some, like myself when I first read it, said that it scared them. But actually the book of Revelation is a great book. And, I mean, there's so many great things that take place. It's very prophetic. And it's something that we need to read, something that we need to know about. Because as I said yesterday, we can't just talk about salvation. We can't just talk about uh, finances. We can't just talk about living a life of holiness. We can't just talk about uh, what to do when we're going through, how to stand in faith. All of those things are important uh, to, to know how to pray. We need to know all of that. But we need to be well-rounded and well-versed in everything, even the prophetic. 
that is going to take place. Every Christian should should I'm sorry should know something about uh, the end times, uh, the prophecy in the Book of Revelations, in the Book of Daniel, and in other books that are written that have a prophetic uh, voice about the end times. So when we're reading the Book of Revelation, it should be done prayerfully as we do when we write, uh, when we read the entire Bible, and we should ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Now, also, you can listen to other anointed teachers and preachers who are well-versed in prophetic teaching, men such as Dr. David Jeremiah, who is one of my favorite prophetic teachers, uh, Tim LaHaye, Carrie Stone, Carol L. Williamson, who I studied his book so many years ago as a young Christian, Hal Lindsey and Dr. John Hagee. And these are powerful end-time teachers, and God wants us to know what is to come and where we will be going because, you see, earth is just a preparation place for us. We're not going to be living on earth forever. When we leave here, we're going uh, depending on your status in Christ, when we uh, close our eyes on earth and we wake up either in heaven or in hell, one of those two places, and then those of us who are born again uh, will, as I'm going to be talking about in the next couple of days, uh, go to the Bema judgment, and uh, we're going to receive our rewards. And then we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when Jesus comes back the second time to rule, we're going to come back with him. And we're going to reign on the earth with Jesus for a thousand years. And after all of that happens in the great white throne and judgment and God is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, I don't think we're going to be bound to time. I don't think we're going to be bound to space. I think it's very, very possible that we might be able to to go back from earth to heaven, from heaven to earth. I'm not quite sure because the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about it. But I do know that the Word of God says that uh, when he comes back to get us, that we will be with him forever. So wherever Jesus is, that is where we are going to be. So when is the rapture? Now, the timing of the rapture is a controversial issue for many Christians. There are different views from many scholars who believe in the rapture but don't agree on when the rapture will actually take place. And again, I'm not saying that anybody is saying that Jesus is coming back on a certain day, a certain time, a certain date a certain month, a certain week, a certain year. None of us know that. Only God knows that. But once the rapture does take place, a lot of things will be jump-started according to the world going into the tribulation period. So here are thoughts of when different scholars think that the rapture may happen. It may be pre, uh, it may be pre, mid, or post tribulation. So pre tribulation, of course, means that the rapture will hit before the, the great tribulation takes place. Mid tribulation is is where the church would go through half of the tribulation. Post tribulation is people saying that. Uh, we that the uh, rapture won't take place until at the end of the tribulation. Then there's the pre-wrath uh, uh, thought where it would be before the battle of Armageddon or right before God begins to um, wreak havoc and, wreak and pour out his wrath upon the earth. And then there is what they call can tribulation, and that is for people who just don't believe anything. They think that the rapture is a myth. They think the the second coming is a myth. They think all of this is a myth and that we're just going to die and that'll be the end of it. 
and we'll be obliterated, and that's it. There is nothing else. That once you die, there is nothing else. So there are people that have different types of uh, thoughts about when the rapture might take place. Now, the Bible scriptures on this subject speak more to the rapture being before the tribulation than after the tribulation. The great tribulation is God's wrath and judgment upon the world for people's sins and for not accepting Jesus in their life or conforming to God's word. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22 and 7, he comes quickly and his reward is with him to give every man according as as his work shall be. I want to read that again. He comes quickly and his reward is with him to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, this is when the rapture church will receive our reward, and it is called the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ or the Bema Seat or just plainly the Judgment Seat of Christ. Now, this is the judgment of the church after that we will be married to Christ and then the wedding feast. Because we gave our lives to Christ, we will not go through the tribulation, or the great white throne judgment. That is for those who are unsaved. Now, the Bema Seat judgment, and I'm just going to give you a couple of little things about the Bema Seat judgment. It's either called the Bema or the Bema Seat. And this comes from the ancient Olympic Games where the judge would be seated at the finish line. The judge would determine from where he sat who would come in first, who came in second, or who came in third. Now, he was the one who awarded all the participants with the gold leaf crown. Now, this is also known to believers as the judgment seat of Christ. It is here, again, as I said earlier, that the church is judged for our work but not for our sins. Our sins were uh, forgiven us when we accepted Jesus Christ uh, to become our, our, our Lord and Savior. He forgave us of our sins, and we received uh, what he did on the cross for us by shedding his blood for our sins. So we will be judged for what we do sincerely in our bodies while we are here on earth. So our judgment, thanks of God, is different from the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is the judgment that's at the very end, very close to the end of everything. And those who never gave their lives to Christ before will stand before him as their judge, and he will say to them, and ask the angel, is their book found in the Lamb's book of life? And the angels will search, and will, and they will look and say, Lord, no, we don't see his or her name in the Lamb's book of life. And so Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. You are a worker of iniquity, prepare for Satan and his angels, and that person will will make their final uh, destination place, which will be uh, hell or the lake of fire and brimstone. But that doesn't have to happen to you. You can give your life to Christ now, and you can go in the rapture and be judged in the beam of the judgment of Christ, where you will be judged not for your sins, but for the work that you do while uh, you are waiting on him to return. Now, the rapture is, uh, or what is the rapture? The rapture is the first resurrection of those who died in Christ and those who are alive when Christ returns. When Jesus returns, um, and we'll get into this a little bit later, 
but this is known as the first resurrection. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is known as the first resurrection. When when Jesus appears, he doesn't set foot on the earth, but he he um, appears in the air, and he calls us up to meet him. It says the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air. Now, if you are a student of the word of God, you will realize that the word rapture is not even in the Bible. But if we take a look at First Corinthians 14, I'm sorry, First, First Thessalonians 4.17, the Greek word there for caught up, it means harpazo. That's the Greek word for rapture. It's harpazo. And it also means to grasp hastily, carry away, seize upon by force, and to snatch up. Now, the Latin word for rapture is rapire. It also means to carry off or catch away. These two words give us the English word rapture because it means to be caught up. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17, it says that we are caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Or in the English word, we are raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, the rapture is also called the blessed hope. Now, Titus 2 and 13 in the King James Version says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You notice here it says the glorious appearing. It doesn't say that he's coming to the earth. It says he's going to appear. We are looking for the appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This event is going to change everything, thanks to God, in this world. There will be devastation on the highways and the airways with unmanned cars. Cars are going to be crashing. Planes are going to be crashing and falling from the sky. Cruise ships will possibly be crashing. Uh, there will be missing babies and children and missing adults. Graves will be open and no bodies will be in certain graves because actually the graves that will be open will be the graves of those who are born again. Uh, many say that this sounds like it might be a myth or that it might be a horror story or a thriller story. Many say that, you know what, I've heard this teaching for years. And it hasn't happened yet. Many of us say, you know, just like they said in the days of Noah. They say, you know, they came, they went out and they saw Noah building the ark and they laughed at him because, you know, it had never rained before. And they were laughing at him, saying, oh, you old fool, look at you. And it was a pastime to go out there and laugh and make fun of Noah. But then when it happened, when the rain fell, when the first drop of rain fell, and God uh, made sure that Noah and his family and all of the the uh, animals, where he had two of, of each type of animal, male and female, uh, people laughed at that. People laughed at him until it started raining and raining and raining. Right now we have a situation here on the East Coast and in the islands here, especially the Bahamas, where it rained so much it was a hurricane and uh people have drowned and and the waters are up so high and people have to be rescued. Well there was no rescue during the time of Noah because the only rescue there was was in the ark and so people laughed and joked about about it and many people well everybody died because Noah God started all over again with just Noah and his family. And he started over again with the animals that he had, two of each kind. And so with today, you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, you've been saying for years that uh, that this rapture is going to come. 
But, you know, I, I, I've never seen it happen in my time. And, you know, I think it's a big farce. I think it's a big myth. Well, first, it says in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4 in the Living Bible, it says in verse 3, first, I want to remind you that in the last days, there will come scoffers, people who don't believe, who will do everything they can they can think of and laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus so Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? He'll never come. Why as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. You will have people who are going to starve. You're going to have people who are going to laugh at you because there are people that don't even believe that the Bible is real. They just think it's a book of letters, a book of poetry, a book of whatever sort. It is one of the best-selling books. It may be the best-selling book, but, but a lot of people still don't believe what the Word of God has to say. So there are many scholars. You're going to tell people about this lesson, and they're going to look at you and say, yeah, are you really foolish? Do you really believe that, man? You know, but the only way uh, they're going to know anything if they decide not to turn their life over to Christ, when that day hits, when that day happens, then they will see, oh, my God, so-and-so was right when, when they told me that the rapture is coming. And so we just have to uh, continue on doing as the Spirit of the Lord has told us to do, and that's to teach and tell people about what is to take uh, what is to take pass in the last days. Now I had made a point about how it said in um, Titus chapter two, it says the appearing of the great God. There is a difference between the rapture, and there is a, uh, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. Jesus in the rapture is going to appear in the sky and call us up unto him, and nobody is going to see this but the church. When Jesus returns and comes back as Lord and King, he's coming to the earth. And he's going to rule on the earth. It is two different events. Now, I want you to know, uh, I was sharing with you about there are a lot of great gospel uh, men and women who are, who are prophetic teachers who are sharing a lot of great things about the end time. And it, 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 it would be a blessing for you to sit and listen to some of their teachings to be able to get a really clear understanding of what uh, um, what the Word of God has to say. That night that I went uh, to the meeting that those young men uh, had invited us to, uh, they did a uh, they, they had a movie that night. It was like a movie night, and there was a movie out during that time. And I think I may have mentioned it yesterday called A Thief in the Night. And again, I do say, now this, this this came out, my daughter was talking to me about it yesterday. This movie did come out in the 70s. And so the clothes and everything about it is straight 70s. And the acting is not the best acting, but what the, the, uh, the message that is being portrayed in the movie is powerful. It is a powerful film, and you can go right today on YouTube and pull it up. It's called A Thief in the Night, and it has three or four other uh, uh, sequels to the uh, to this particular one, but it is called A Thief in the Night, and it really explains a lot about not only the rapture, but also the tribulation period and how the beast takes over and then in the second film it, it goes a little bit deeper into some things but it is a good film and like I said you can watch it on YouTube for free 
Uh, there's also another um, uh, film that you might want to watch. It's a little more modern, uh, but it's called The Sunday Morning Rapture. You can find that one, too, on uh, YouTube, and you can also uh, look at it on Amazon Prime. And it, too, goes into not into the tribulation period, but it just goes into the rapture, and it is a very powerful, very powerful uh, message on that one as well. So it might be a couple of things that you might want to watch and sit with your family and watch that. But um, uh, God just wants us to know that there are some powerful things that are getting ready to take place here in the near future. As I said, we don't know when the rapture is going to take place. But when it does, we want to make sure that we are ready when it does take place, when it is time for Jesus to come back. Now, the rapture of the church. Now, Jesus told us before he left, he gave us a word in uh, John chapter 14 and verses 1, 2, and 3. And this is what Jesus said. He said he would go and prepare a place for us, and he would come back for us. Remember that Jesus is coming back for the church, his bride. Now, the bridegroom always goes and makes ready for his bride. So let's look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. First one says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Many of us have heard this scripture all of our lives. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus is making everything ready right now, thanks to God, for his bride. Heaven is a busy place right now as they prepare for the son to leave and to return back home with his bride. Now, I want you to think about some things here. What is it that a bridegroom does for his bride? Number one, the first thing is he professes his love for her, how much he cares for her, how much he wants her to be his wife, to to have his name, to be a part of him. Then he comes for her. He makes sure that everything for her is uh, ready for her, and then he comes. He, he goes off and he gets the house and makes sure that he has the best job to take care of her. He has a place, number three, for her to live. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And then number four, what a man always does, a real man, a real husband, is he protects his wife. He protects his bride. If Jesus loves his bride and she loves him and she prepares herself for him and she submits herself to him, why would Jesus leave her here to suffer the wrath of God that will come upon this unregenerated world? Why would Jesus, who says he loves her, he's going to prepare a place for her, that where he is she may be also, he sent his Holy Spirit here to protect her, And then she, in return, is making herself ready for him. 
She's making sure that her garments are clean and white for the wedding. She's obedient to him when she talks to him and he gives her instructions. She's submissive to him. She loves him dearly. Why would Jesus allow his bride to be abused? Why would he allow her to be in a domesticated uh, 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 spirit of violence in her life? Why would he leave her here to suffer and go through that? She's going through things right now in her time of preparation. She's going through things. But the things that are going to come upon the world to try the world, why would Jesus uh, put his bride in the same box that he would put the unsaved in? There's no way. So this shows us that Jesus is coming back for his church, his bride, because he loves his bride. And he wants his bride to be where he is. He does not want her stuck here, suffering the way that the rest of the world has to suffer. Now, after Jesus had resurrected, he spent about 40 days upon the earth before he ascended to heaven. Now, he was leaving the apostles' instructions, telling them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come and anoint them with power so that they could become great witnesses and go to and fro throughout the world teaching and preaching the gospel. Now, through this, uh, uh, this anointing that was put, that was going to come upon the apostles, the church itself would be started. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues and great things began to take place, the church that day was just empowered and she became something powerful and the enemy has been trying to destroy the church and destroy the bride of Christ ever since that has happened. So I want you to look at Acts chapter, what is it, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 9. And it says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards the heavens, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into the heavens, shall, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The same way that Jesus left the church, because Jesus on that day was giving the church instructions on what to do. He was It was like an organizational meeting. He was setting things up. He was letting them know, you know, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back for you, and this is what I want you to do. And the angel said, the same way you see him leave is the same way you are going to see him come back. So while you're standing here gazing, you have work to do. So it was the church that saw Jesus leave the earth that day. But it will be the church, hallelujah, that will see Jesus come back. It won't be anybody else that's going to see anything. When the whole world sees Jesus come back, that is in um, that is when Jesus comes back for the second coming. The church the church leaving here in the rapture 
second coming again. Two different events. I want to go in that rapture because when I go in that rapture and God is going to do all of those things that I that that I need to go through to be to 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 uh to go through the beam of seat judgment to uh get my reward. Not only my rewards but then there we will be married and then we will have the marriage feast. And then after that it'll be time to come back to the earth and we will come back with Jesus. But we're not gonna be the same people that's gonna go up in the rapture, we're going to come back in a way we're going to be totally transformed. We're going to be totally different. We're going to have glorified bodies. Things are going to be so different when we come back with Jesus, when he reigns and rules as king. Hallelujah. And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to go into 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 13 through 18. And this is um, where many people will see, actually see what the scripture is saying about the rapture. It is a beautiful piece of scripture to know that Jesus is on his way back for his church, for his bride. I want you to know that this is a very this is a very important lesson, an important message for the saints of God to know. You don't have to um you don't have to sit back and worry on if you're gonna to go to heaven uh, I hope I make it in. As a born-again Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to make it in. If you're hoping and you're not sure, then you need to go back in and and ask Christ, Lord, you know, I, I don't really have the assurance that I'm truly saved. I don't have the assurance that I'm going to go with you when you come back. I'm not really sure, Lord. All you have to do is just pray. All you have to do is repent. All you've got to do is just say, Lord, I want to know for sure. Am I really, really, have I totally given my life to you? Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Has anything changed in your life? When we are born again, Things ought to be different in our lives. You know, you have so many people that are dealing, uh, uh, that are part of the world, it says in James 4 and 4, that if we are friends to the world, meaning if we're still going by this world system, if we're still living a worldly life, then it says that we are enemies with God. You don't want to be an enemy with God. You want to make sure that you are living the life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that you're going to uh, be perfect and you're not going to make mistakes. Yes, we all make mistakes. I still make a lot of mistakes, but I still know who I am. I still know who I am, and I still know where I'm going. And you can have that same assurance All you have to do is believe that what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he did it for you. All you have to do is accept uh, his salvation, accept his gift by grace. Uh, His grace is giving us things that we don't. We don't deserve it, but God's grace says, I love you. I want to do this for you. I know you're wrong. I know you've done things that are not pleasing in my sight, but if you will accept me by faith, if you will uh, accept my precious gift, if you will accept the sin offering that I did for you, how I, I was on the cross and I died for you, 
I, I, I gave my own life for you. If you will accept that today, if you will say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I don't want to live uh, a worldly life anymore. I don't want to be a part of the world system. I give up the things of the world. Forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I don't want to be a part of the devil, uh, uh, anything that the devil has to do. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Help me to do better. You believe it and you receive it in your heart. You can be on your way to the kingdom of God. You can be on your way. God loves you. All you got to do, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there are some things you heard today that maybe rattled you a little bit, or you may hear some other things that I say through this, through this series. But it's not to uh, uh, cause you discomfort, but some people are saved by fear because they don't want uh, uh, to to live in, or they don't want to go to hell, or they don't want to uh, be in darkness, or they don't want to go through all of that stuff because hell is forever, just like heaven is for, forever. I'm not going to apologize for saying uh, hell because the Bible teaches heaven or hell. And so we have to uh, make sure that our lives are right so that we can go and be with the Lord forever. God loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus came to this world and died on the cross for your sins. He will, if you if you accept him, if you receive him, he will come back for you as a part of the church along with the rest of the people that he's coming back to, uh, to take back with him to heaven. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray that... Uh, um, that you got something out of this message. I pray that you under, uh, your understanding of the rapture and what the rapture is is going to take, uh, that, that you understand it a little bit more than maybe you understood it yesterday or maybe than what you understood a few minutes ago. I pray that you will continue on to listen to uh, this message. Um there are so many great things that you're going to learn about the end time period. But the best thing that you can learn is that if you are born again, you don't have to go through the tribulation period. So we praise and thank God today for you tuning in and uh, uh, being a part of this teaching on today. Well, I see that my time is almost up. Hallelujah. Uh, I love being able to share and teach and and, um, let you know all the great things that God is doing. But I pray today that um, you really did get something out of the message. And before we leave the broadcast, I'm going to ask that if you have any questions, uh, if you... um, want to talk to me a little bit more about salvation, uh, about becoming saved, maybe about finding a church that you can go to in your area and I can help you, I will do my best. You can email me at a word from God seven. That is a word from God seven at gmail.com. That's a word from God seven at gmail.com. Please reach out to us for any prayer. Uh, reach out to us for any contact information about speaking engagements, uh, prayer requests, biblical questions, or even donations. I want to say thank you again for tuning in a word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for him. And until next time, have a joyous and blessed day. God bless you. 
Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. 